Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. Welcome everyone, you are listening to More Than Just A Podcast podcast. Um, it's me, George, here in the studio, and John. Hello, John. Hello, you alright? Yeah, how are you? Oh, I'm smashing you. Yeah. Hey, I'm really good, thanks. There's no Sean here tonight. Uh, why is that, John? I've got, I got no idea. He's gone to some meeting or is something. Is it the Sam Allardyce Lookalike meeting? That's the one, yes. Yeah. He's uh, the chairman of the Sam Allardyce Lookalike board. Uh, Even Sam and him are now joined in growing this moustache at the they same have, they're time. They're both doing the Movember together. Yeah, isn't nice that cute? It must be really close. And Reese is training for Farnborough FC. So that is where everyone is tonight. Uh, so it's just me and John uh, talking about Stoke. But Sean, of course, being Sean, has recorded about 40 minutes worth of podcast. Did he really? Yeah. Including his view on the Stoke game, two interviews, one with one very cool person. Which is we should reveal it now because yeah, it's going to no, be in yeah, the title. Pretty, yeah. We're going to be talking. Well, Sean's going to be talking to Alvin Martin. So last week we had Tony Cotty, and the week before we had Tony Cotty, and this week we've got Alvin Martin. So we're doing all right this season on the uh, interview front. West Ham legend front. Um, so John, you watched the game on telly. You didn't go to the game. What did you think of the game? I well, uh, let me start by saying I I abhor Stoke. That's a Good, good word, isn't it? Having ever since um, ever since the uh, Carling Cup game, I never really had much of an opinion of Stoke until that Carling Cup game where the old hoof pulled Parker out the wall and they scored. Done a very hole. similar thing last night. Much to and the then last night watching that them do what they did in their little snidey little cheating block off. It, it that just, was an it, NFL move, wasn't it? I just it just they make me feel a little bit sick. So I wasn't really looking forward to the game. Hence, um, you didn't go. No, that's why I didn't go. And then the first half, we were pretty poor, and the second half, we were better. But again, we, you know, we we just didn't have that final bit of quality. I thought Andy Carroll really struggled. He like they, he just seemed to get frustrated. Well, we're going to talk about him a bit more later. So, um, but yeah, so it was dis- disappointing first half performance. I think it's decent second half. Yeah, but there you go. I think it's a decent result. On if you look at things in the grand scheme of things, yeah, not complaining. Not complaining with the draw. Um, we didn't have a good first half. We had a very good second half, and we should have won it on chances. But hey ho, that's what happens when you don't have a finisher. Uh, but I thought everyone did all right. I'd say Andy Carroll was probably uh, looked a bit out of place. I thought. Hey, out of sorts. Yes, that's, the, that's what I was looking for. Was it? Yep. There you go. Uh, Stats-wise, possession, 46% to Stoke. We had 54%, so we just nicked it there. We had 16 shots, 11 on target. Stoke had 12 with 6 on target. So we did dominate in all stats. Uh, Sean wants us to play his clip. So this is Sean's view on the game. And he was with me, but he can't be here tonight because he's at the same Maladice Lookalike meeting. 
So, uh, sorry, you can't be there in person tonight. Uh, can't join via Skype. Not there live in the studio, so it's down to uh, George and John to entertain you tonight. But you know I would never go without trying to get my word in about the game. I'm currently driving back uh, from the station after Monday Night Football and West Ham versus Stoke, and I thought I'd give a few uh, views um, from, from the terraces. And, yeah, well, you know, I think John said he was watching from home and I'm sure he's going to talk about it, and he said it was a shit game. But I, I would agree the first half was pretty shit. Uh, Stoke did their best to time waste, to hoof it long, even longer than we were hoofing it. And we just didn't get going. Um, and, of course, they that, that one corner, um, it didn't look like anyone was... I haven't seen it on replay, but it didn't look like anyone was marked, and, and they went one nil up in the first half however I will probably disagree with John to say the second half was completely different I thought we dominated I thought we had chance after chance and I thought you know standing there at the game I don't know how this came across on the sky but I thought it was a really exciting second half and I thought we were incredibly lucky uh, not to win and take away all three points Um, so that's my view I'm sure John's going to disagree with it and say it was a boring shit game but I think second half, game of two hours, exciting game, unlucky not to win 2-1. Thanks, guys. Back to the studio. So, so that was Sean's uh, overview of the game. and I'm sure uh, it was enthralling. Oh, yeah, it was really enthralling. It was only 90 seconds, though, to be fair to him, so he'd done all right to keep it that short. <laughs> um, but that's Sean's costly. He's not here tonight. He is uh, part of the new craze that's sweeping the nation called the Allardyceograms, which is uh, Sam Allardyce Stripogram. Which uh, Sean is trying to be the head of. I think he's going to be the new chair of the Allardyceograms. Because Sean's trying to encourage a bit more face um, book group, more action on the Facebook yeah, was, group. That's my, well done, that's a good plug there. So let's... Uh, let's what, what is the Facebook group? It's facebook.com forward slash more just a podcast. So he wants more interaction on there. So we thought we'd put a couple of pictures up there for everyone to look at to see how he's getting on with his like anodisogram look. (laughs) Um, Watch this face. Watch this face. So Sean isn't here, but he still is managing to take up most of the podcast because that's the way he likes it. And he has interviewed our fan of the week for this week all the way in Australia. Fan of the week. And we welcome more to more than just a podcast, 10,000 miles away, all the way from Sydney, Australia, where it's at the moment a Monday evening. Uh, It's Robbie Bryan. Bryan, is it Bryan? No, it's not Bryan, is it? (laughs) <laughs> it's burn. Burn. You know, it, it always I will get something wrong to begin with. Robbie Burn. So, yeah. Robbie, uh, I understand now, since we met last time, you're the acting chairman of Sydney Hammers. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, there's a group of us that are Sydney Hammers, but uh, the the official chairman is Simon Mann. Um, Simon's a, um, a chap born and bred in... Uh, London and came over here and really started the whole thing for us. But unfortunately, Simon's uh, relocated down to Melbourne, so um, I stepped in and uh, pretty much took over. And um, so I guess I call myself the acting chairman. Nobody else probably does, but uh, Simon will always be the uh, the official chairman, and hopefully he'll come back one day and take his rightful place. You know? Ah, right. Okay. Well, we're going to get in a, a bit more to that later. But let's start. Sure. We start all fan of the week questions, which is. You're living 10,000 miles away in Sydney, Australia. Uh, from your accent, I think most people can work out you were, you were born in Ireland. What on earth possessed you, uh, and how did you start supporting West Ham? Uh, it's quite straightforward, actually, for me. My, I've got some family living in Richmond, uh, in London, and they're all West Ham fans. So um, uh, my, my uncle's my godfather, and uh, he's a long West Ham season ticket holder. Um, my cousin played for the Junior Hammers, and when I was born, uh, my first ever present was a little pair of West Ham football boots. And every year I'd get something West Ham, so I kind of hit the age of 
12, 13, when I really started getting into, um, you know, uh, football, um, I just, you know, first game, first uh, first match I ever went to was uh, from Park, went to see West Ham versus Luton, and uh, the rest is the street. Okay, so usually I'd ask the fans where they sit, you know, are they season ticket holders? Now, I know you have been to... Uh, West Ham uh, earlier this season, or was it? No, it was at the end of last season. Um, but I'm going to get into that in a minute. But I understand the Sydney Hammers. Well, I know this because I met you earlier this year, and I, I, when I came over to Sydney. Um, but you all meet up. Tell us a bit about where you watch the games. And obviously, you're going to be watching the Stoke game within 24 hours. Where where will you be watching that? Yeah, well, we're, we'll be watching in the morning in a place called Cheers Park, which is in the middle of the, the city. And um, it's not our usual venue, actually. Um, uh, the reason is our usual venue doesn't have a um, license for that time of the morning, and um, and that's usually the Royal Exhibition Hotel in Surrey in Sydney City Centre as well. And um, so both the Royal Exhibition Hotel and Cheers look after us really well, and um, you know they um, they give us kind of the Royal Ex kind of gives us sole rights to the pub. So even when the Chelsea, Man U, Arsenal games are on the TV, we get preferences to at the Sydney Hammers, so it's pretty pretty good of them. And likewise, cheers, boys, when we when we have to, we go down to cheers and you know, make sure there's a TV on showing the game if there's more than one game game on. And uh, luckily tomorrow we are um, we're the we're the priority. So looking forward to it. Excellent. So two questions: uh, How many would you expect for uh, West Ham versus Stoke, and how many did you have for the playoff final in in, in Sydney? Uh, I'd say tomorrow, um, based on RSVPs, um, you know, obviously it's it's right at the start of the working day, uh, seven a, seven a.m. here, so people use probably be on the way to work. Fortunately, but I reckon we'll get about twenty-five, which isn't bad for a, a Tuesday morning when people should be at work. And um, yeah. that's that's probably a little below the norm. And I would, you know, it, it depends on the kickoff time because. Over here in Australia, it's just horrendous. Uh, you know, things are four or five in the morning, two o'clock in the morning, three o'clock in the morning. So it's pretty tough to get a big crowd to go. Um, but I would say on average, we probably get about 60 uh, at each game, which is pretty good, I think. Um, and then for the playoff final last year, it was just bananas. We ended up having events not only in Sydney, but the Brisbane Boys, the Brisbane Hammers, Melbourne Hammers, Adelaide Hammers, and Perth Hammers. Um, we we had probably at least 300 each um, at each location, and I would say that in Sydney we had around 400, maybe just a little over 400 in the Royal Exhibition, and we had some overflow in the pub across the road as well. Okay, so if if people are on holiday and they're doing a bit of tourism, giving you a little bit of money. Um, over from the UK, they can come and watch a game with you, can they, while they're on their holidays, come to the Royal Exhibition? Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, um, obviously we you know, we don't charge any membership fees or there's no cost to get into the pub to watch the game or anything. Um, and everyone's more than welcome to, to jump in. So, yeah, if you're on holidays, uh, get yourself to Sydney, get yourself to the Royal Exhibition Hotel. If you want to check us out before you get here and just make sure, you know, times and uh, exactly where we're meeting, you can catch us on Facebook. We've got our Sydney Hammers Facebook page, and you can email us at chairman at sydneyhammers.com.au. And we also have a, a website, which is sydneyhammers.com.au. And lastly, we're also on Twitter, just uh, at Sydney Hammers. So just drop us a line, let us know you're coming over, and uh, we'll make sure that we make you feel pretty welcome. Uh, and Robbie will buy you the first point. Well, that's, I, I think there was a comment earlier that you might have seen that I've shared. I, that's why I mentioned it. Yeah, I asked uh, all of your fellow members um, for questions I should ask you, and one of them had you had very deep pockets, which I mean must mean very deep, so you've got lots of money to be able to buy people pints. You, you would think so, right? You'd think yeah. that's what it means. But, um, maybe you maybe just haven't bought him a pint yet. So, um, yeah. yeah. Anyway, one of the things I've listened to very recently is you've got your own podcast, or is it Pubcast, that there's an organisation called FFDU. Uh, I can't remember what that stands for, but it's got to have football and down under somewhere in it. Um, and there was some drunken Pubcast or Podcast with the Sydney Hammers um, <laughs> late in, in October. That was a very interesting listen. Yeah, look, I, I think what... Uh, I was Obviously, I've been banned from all future podcasts in Australia as a result of that. 
due to um, the fact that we were drinking during this discussion. Um, but no, seriously, it's uh, it's it's not ours actually. It's uh, a chap called Lee uh, Lee James. Uh, he runs Football Fans Down Under. Um, if you want to check that out, it's fftu.net. Um, Lee's a good friend of ours, even though he's an Everton fan. But uh, he runs this um, uh, every week. Um, and at the moment, he's doing specials specifically for the supporters clubs over here. And so I think he had a Swansea one. He's having an Everton one. Celtic Rangers are pretty big over here as well. So, um, yeah, he, he basically is like a hub for all the different supporters groups over here. And um, yeah, he does a great job with his with his podcast. I think he's got about two and a half thousand, three and a half thousand listeners every time. So um, we jumped in for a Sydney Hammers one, and uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, and it, it, it sounded like you were having a lot of fun. If, if you haven't listened to it, listen to it because we have linked it on our Facebook as well. And, and so, I'd like to apologise in advance for any bad language. Yes. Um, so earlier this year, I, I was looking over the West Ham. Um, official website and I saw a picture of you and Dylan when you came over this year where it said not acting chairman it said chairman of uh, Sydney <laughs> Hammers I don't know if, if Simon's picked this up or not so tell us about the trip and how you got to meet Dylan and um, uh, and get on the pitch yeah so um, I contacted um, initially I contacted the club just to ask for their permission to use their crest because we wanted to get some polo shirts made up and so the club were really good to us. They looked after us and they, they created some, some polo shirts for us using our logo, um, which was designed by one of our, our boys, Mike Bullen, who lives over in Perth now. And so we, we got those polos done and we just kind of built up a bit of a relationship uh, with um, Gavin Stanley and, you know, all the, all the guys there. And, um, yeah, so uh, I ended up, uh, heading over to the Reading game and just kind of said to them in passing that, you know, I'll be heading over and they just basically made a big fuss and said, you know, make sure you let us know when you're coming. We'll meet you outside the ground. We'll bring you in. And, um, you know, I ended up getting brought out onto the pitch and Dylan, who, for those who don't know, Dylan's a, a Perth boy. Um, and obviously, you know, with, with his uh, current um, illness, etc., that he's that he's working through, and we, the whole of Australia is behind him, and you know all the boys were saying, make sure you get over and meet Dylan and uh, give him our best. So uh, I did, which was really nice of Dylan to take time out and, and meet me on the day. And then, um, yeah, I, I didn't even know what exactly was happening, but I ended up meeting David Gold and um, Bill Mummery, who who owned SBO Bet, and they gave me some gifts, and yeah, it was an absolutely fantastic day. Um, Unfortunately, the the results didn't go the way we wanted, but uh, that's neither here nor there now. But uh, no, it was a fantastic day, and the club were and fantastic. Big, big Sam and recorded a special message for the Sydney Hammers as well around that time as well, didn't he? Exactly. It was actually Big Sam did one kind of um, just after the start of the season, um, and then Dylan did one for us uh, while we were there. Um, but it makes such a huge difference to the fans over here to have that connection. And for, you know, people like Sam and Dylan and David Gold and, and all the staff at West Ham to go out of their way to um, to keep us in touch. Because, you know, I know you said it's 10,000 miles away, but it really feels a long way away when you're when you're over here. It, it really makes a difference to us. And I think that they've, they've realized that the fan base over here is growing. I mean, we were four or five lads um, meeting up in a pub, you know, a couple of seasons ago. Now we've got all over Australia. I mean, there's thousands of West Ham fans. So, um, yeah, I think it's it's really helping us to, to build the momentum. And obviously with the playoff final and then, you know, getting into back into the premiership and obviously where we're sitting now and the fantastic results we've been having, um, it's just gone from strength to strength. So, yeah, it's been great. Well, let, let's move on to that. Let's talk, move on to your footballing knowledge. So, obviously, at the moment, we're recording this on the Monday just before the game, you know, a few hours before the game of Stoke. Um, we're seventh place. We've got 18 points. Um, you know, what, what do you think of the season so far? Who's, who's been the standout players for you um, so far this season? Well, obviously, we're you know, well, I, I'm personally thrilled with the way the season is going. And we had, we had a conversation on our Facebook page um, a day or two ago, and Simon Mann had actually asked everyone, you know, who is your standout so far, and. Um, I think it was three three names kept coming up, and um, Jaskolainen in goal, 
um, which I have to say was a little surprised at, about initially. Um, but uh, he came up quite quite a lot. Um, Winston Reid was a lot of people's number one, and they say everyone thinks he's just been an absolute star this season. Even though he's from New Zealand. And even though he's from, you see, the thing is, there's a lot of expats over here, so we're we're not all Australian. So um, we don't we don't have that we don't have that hatred for the the Kiwis that the Aussies seem to do when it comes to sports. But um, yeah, Winston's been fantastic. And look, no, Noble is always going to be up there, obviously. But I think the one that the one that uh, came out on top was was Kevin Nolan. And um, I think not only because he scored some some uh, important goals, but the way he's been a, a great leader, the, the way he's got other people into the club for us, and um, you know, I think he obviously Sam's getting the best out of the team, but on the pitch, I think Nolan's getting the best out of the players as well, and he's leading by example. So I think a couple of people complained about his constant moaning to the rest, but I think that's his job to do that, you know. So, so we, we'll let him away with that one. But um, hopefully, a few more chicken dances on the way. Hopefully, maybe one tonight. Um, so we are the fan of the week about the Olympic Stadium. I know that might seem strange for someone 10,000 miles away, but I'm sure that people in Australia have still got views on whether we should move to the Olympic Stadium or stay at the bowling. Where, where do you sit on, on this whole issue, and, and where do the majority of uh, Sydney Hammers fans sit? It's, it's actually a really interesting one over here in Australia. I'll, I'll give you my personal opinion first. I don't want to leave the bowling grounds. I do not want to. Like, there's my... My first ever trip was for my birthday when I think I was uh, 13 years old. You know, I went up to Park and I was just, you know, in love with the place ever since. I went with my dad and, you know, I have the, I have all those happy memories. I went back numerous times and, you know, growing up, you know, I'm 36 now. So, I mean, it's been a long time I've, uh, you know, been going to the bowling, although not that often. So I don't want to leave. And I think part of me is saying that it, in the long term it will be a good thing for the club. I think we'll do better. We'll we'll make more money. We'll we'll get better players in as well. Um, so I'm I'm torn. I don't want to leave, but I I can't say that I'm not in favour of um, of change. And I think it'll be good in the long term for the club. But in terms of the Australian hammers, I think it's very split because you people like you know you have the English contingent who pretty much all of them are like no you know I, I don't want to move. I don't want to move. Some some of them, some of them will say yes, but a lot of the Aussies are like, I want a big stadium. You know, I want to be like uh, the Manchester Uniteds and you know the Man Cities and getting all this money into the club and you know going over to the Olympic Stadium when they do go to the UK uh, to watch a match and and be sitting with I don't know you know what what did I say fifty thousand uh, fans, and um, so they don't. I, I think it's because they don't have that connection that some of the the English uh, guys over here have growing up and um, you know going with their dad going with their granddad you know having their seat going to the pre-match ritual going up to Nathan's for a pie and mm. all those kind of things so I think that's why they're okay with it but I would definitely say the majority of the expats will be like no I don't want to go I don't want to go because they have that like it's part of who they are it's part of you know their uh, their upbringing you know it's yeah. it, it's Part of their family. Well, there, there so, is another rumour that um, Frank Lowry of Westfield, an Australian, uh, is looking to invest possibly in the remaining 34%. There's also talk that he might get involved possibly with the naming rights of the new Olympic Stadium, calling it the Westfield Stadium. There's even talk that he might even possibly get involved in regenerating Boleyn if we move maybe a shopping centre and housing. I mean, uh, are you hearing rumours of, of, of Frank Lowry? Do you know who Frank Lowry is over there in Australia? Yeah, yeah. Look, we, we we've heard those rumors over here too. We heard that to get into the ground, you're going to have to go through a Westfields, etc. I mean, Westfields are huge over here, and so yeah, we've we've heard everything you know that that you guys have heard. Um, there's plenty of money there, and and I think that that's what the Olympic Stadium brings. You know, I think it just brings that that kind of uh, money into the club. Um, I, I don't think any of us are naive enough to think that you know it wasn't in that long term strategy you know, any way to redevelop, you know, put a shopping centre in there. And I think I heard that uh, the bowling pubs up for up for sale as well, did I? Yeah. Um, yeah that is somewhere on the sale. internet. About £250,000 sterling. So 
if you and your fellow um, hammers can get together, you could buy that. Yeah, well, I'll have a chat with the boys tomorrow morning. All 30 of us might chip in. Robbie. <laughs> anyway, we're going to have to move on, one, because we've got a lot to fit in this podcast, and two, because it's early morning here, and I've got to take my, my daughter for the school run in a minute. Um, so we'll we get you the chance to plug your various websites and um, Facebook in a minute, but we always ask the sign of the week, and I don't know if I've prepped you for this, we ask them to ask no. a question. It can be football-related or not football-related to ask the people in the studio. So here's your chance. What question would you like to ask of us? Actually, you know what I would like to know? It's it's not exactly a question. Well, maybe it is. For the, for yourself and the, the two boys who do with your eyes, is it George yeah. and yeah. John? John, yeah, that's right. And, and Reese. don't forget Reese. Oh, Reese as well, sorry, yeah. Um, so l- let me put this to you. When when this goes to air, I want you boys to pin your colours to the mast in terms of A-League. Now, the Sydney Hammers, we go out and we support um, Sydney FC and, and the Sydney um, uh, Wanderers, the, the local Sydney teams here. Um, but there are, obviously, you've got Brisbane Roar, you've got Adelaide United, Melbourne Victory and Hearts and Perth Glory, etc., um, I'd like you boys to pin your colours to the mask and keep an eye on a, on a on an A-League team. Ah, we've got um, to pick our A-League. That's a- Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Good question. you got to pick your eyelids thing because, it has, because there's a huge... Um, and, 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 no, huge... and no influence just on Sydney because we talked to the, the Brisbane and, and the uh, Melbourne um, people as well. So that's a good question, Robbie, but we're going to have to move it on. And last thing, okay. um, I, want, I want a... Because um, I hear you're really good at football tips. That's another piece of feedback on the Facebook group. <laughs> I want your prediction for Stoke, and then if you could plug your Facebook group and your forum and your website, etc., and, and that will be a wrap, Robbie. Okay, I'll, I'll make the Stoke one quick. It's going to be 2-0. Um, to West Ham. That's an easy one. Well, of course, to West Ham, 2-0. Um, I reckon uh, Carroll will score first, and yep. uh, Nolan will score second. Yep. And uh, then in terms of uh, plugging our stuff, so we're on Twitter, at Sydney Hammers. Yep. Uh, the website is sydneyhammers.com.au. Uh, Facebook page, Sydney Hammers. And... Um, uh, the email, if you want any more information, as we said earlier, if you're coming over for a holiday, please do contact us. We'll make you really welcome. Um, it's chairman at sydneyhammers.com.au. Excellent. Thank you for being our guest on more than just a podcast, Robbie. And um, how can people contact you on Twitter? Because I think you're on Yeah, my, my own one is um, Robert Byrne Oz. So it's uh, Robert Byrne, spelled B-Y-R-N-E, and O-Z. So Robert Byrne Oz. Excellent. Thanks, Robbie. Thanks, mate. Bye. So thank you to Robbie, Brian or Byrne, whatever Sean wants to call him, uh, for being our fan of the week, all the way from Australia. He is the acting chairman of the Sydney Hammers, who have quite a few members, I believe. So if you're listening and you're from the Sydney Hammers, g'day, mate. Uh, <laughs> you all right? Yeah, you? Yeah, fine. Why? Yeah. Uh, wondered what was going on with you then. It sounded funny. Uh, Reese is answer to the fan of the week question was Melbourne Hearts as John Aloisi. Who's he? Do you know who he was? John Aloisi. John Aloisi is the manager. He used to be a Coventry forward and a premiership legend. I don't remember him. I think the legend's pushing it, but yeah, I remember him playing. Sean's answer is Brisbane Raw. Oh, sorry. Sean's got a clip. I'm just reading Sean's running order that he's put together. So this is it. So my answer to the fan of the week question is I'm going to go for Brisbane Roar. 
uh, and I've got a number of reasons for picking Brisbane Raw. Number one is uh, I did meet the Brisbane Hammers and uh, I spent some time earlier this year in Brisbane. Uh, I've got a very good friend of mine who uh, emigrated out to Brisbane, spent some time with him while I was out there. Uh, I've got some offices uh, from the company I work in Brisbane, but the main reason is I'm a glory hunter and I've looked at the stats and Brisbane Raw, I noticed, uh, won the A-League Championship for the last two years running uh, and the year before that they won the Premiership as well. So uh, I think that I'm due a little bit of glory hunting uh, after supporting West Ham for over 40 years. So Brisbane Raw from me. Thanks, Sean. It's like he's in the room, isn't it? It's like know, he's never, take, you know, he's taken it over. It's like he's never left. Uh, who's your team in the A League, John? Um, Perth. Is it Perth Glory that Robbie Fowler used to play for? Why? Because Robbie Fowler That's played Robbie for. Them. Fowler. Do you know who mine is? No, who's yours? Newcastle Jets. Because of Emil, Emil Heskey. Yeah, the legend yeah. is Emil Heskey. There you there go. You. That's my reasoning behind it. It's the only reason. Uh, but Sean chose Brisbane Raw. Because of all those really good reasons. Uh, next on More Than Just Podcast, podcast is our interview with the West Ham legend that is Alvin Martin. Uh, Sean spoke to him earlier in the week. and That would probably be yesterday. Yes, that was. Yeah. Oh, it was earlier uh, in the week. Earlier yeah. in the week, yeah, it is early. It's a Monday, which is It Tuesday. is earlier, though. I wasn't wrong. You're right, absolutely. So this is part one of the Alvin Martin interview. And we welcome to a More Than Just a Podcast another West Ham legend after Tony Cotty last week. It's Alvin Martin, or uh, also known as his stretch, which we'll talk about later. So, Alvin, apparently 598 games, 34 goals, 19 years as a professional at West Ham. Welcome. Thank you very much. Yeah, sounds a long time, doesn't it? <laughs> it, do, it does sound a long time. Uh, we were talking to uh, Tony Cotty last week, and uh, we were talking about the... Uh, the season of 86, I'm sure we'll get uh, involved in that later because that, that was uh, one of your eras as well. Yep. So let's start with um, where you were born because I understand, and I hope this is right, you were born in Liverpool, rejected by Everton, um, and yet you, you ended up uh, as a, an apprentice from one of the academy boys at, at West Ham. How did that happen? That's right, yeah. I played for a team on a Saturday, most of us did. Like used to play for the school on a Saturday morning. And the Saturday afternoon, I, I played for um, a pub team. And uh, one of the chaps who ran the pub team, um, John McBride, had a contact at West Ham. Uh, and Everton had sort of dragged their heels over, offering me something good Everton. And when they eventually did, I'd already made my mind up that I was going to um, take a chance on coming down and have a trial at West Ham. So I actually did. I actually did that in 74, the summer of 60. Sorry, uh, the summer of 74, July, about uh, three months after Moro left, uh, I arrived for a trial, a two-week trial. So um, I actually went to QBR first, and they couldn't make their mind up, and they asked me to come back uh, for a further two weeks. But I was going to West Ham the following day. So I said, look, can I come back in two weeks? Uh, I didn't tell them. Obviously, I was having a trial at West Ham. They said, yeah, no problem. Uh, but when I'd actually uh, spent the two weeks at West Ham, within, I think, a week, Ron Greenwood had offered me a, a full apprenticeship. Excellent. And it obviously went on from there. So I've, on my information research, I've got that your debut was on 18th of March 1978 when you came as a substitute as, uh, against Villa. Is that right? I'll have to take your, your word for the case. <laughs> yeah, no, that's right. I think um, we were 3-1 down. I came on as a centre forward uh, and the game ended up being 4-1. So I made an, an immediate impact. <laughs> so I'm going to ask you about your memory. So what, what is your most memorable or proud moment in a West Ham shirt? What, what game would you pick? I think the, the 1980 Cup final is the one that I've always, you know, that's the one that uh, everyone talks about. That's the game that, you know, we, we went in as underdogs at Wembley. And it's the first massive game. When I say massive, it was, uh, I think, a lot bigger than the FA Cup final than it is now. So it was a, you know, it was, it was a pivotal moment in, in my career. I think I'd had a good season that year, fully established myself. I think I won Hammer of the Year, which I was always very proud of, of that honour. But then when we went into the FA Cup final, obviously it's, it's, it's a game that can make or break young players. I was 21 at the time. Um, and fortunately, it went well for all of us. It, it was just a, a fantastic experience, but one that just came and went before we, you know, before I certainly um, uh, knew knew it was it was upon us. I remember Billy Bond speaking to me um, before the game. I think a couple of days before, saying, you know, take it all in. It's a it's a wonderful experience. He said, in the first time round, he captained the team in 1974. Um, he said it, it all went past me too quickly. So he gave me a little bit of a hint to. To, to try and take it all in, remember it, but unfortunately, once the, the, day, the day started, it was a, it was so fast, ferocious, pressurised that you tend to just uh, get swept along by it. 
Yeah, well, I, I, I don't remember a lot about the game. I did watch it um, as a very young child, but uh, obviously I've watched it again several times uh, since. We were talking to David Cross last season, and, and we asked him the question, did Trevor Brooking mean to head that goal in? And his answer was yes. What was what, what your take on that? Yeah, I think he did. I think he, did. I think he actually directed it. Um, I think if, if, if Trevor would have been asked to win a, a ball in the air on the halfway line with a chance of getting a whack on his nose or a cut eye, I think he might have actually declined. But to score a goal, um, I think he, he, he proved that he could head a ball. But no, I, I've got no doubt in my mind. I think he actually changed his body shape to be able to redirect that in. It wasn't a great... It was, it, was it Stuart Pearce or was it David Cross smacked, smacked it across? Uh, I thought it was David Cross, yeah, but again... I, Cross that. It was a terrible effort. <laughs> I will do. We, we do talk to him from time to time. Um, so, I understand your nickname when you were at West Ham was Stretch, but I, I, I've got no idea why. I, I was in Diggs when I first came down as an apprentice in the Plastoke, uh, just uh, opposite the Greengate pub. Uh, Dongler Road, and I was only there for the trial period, and then I went to um, East Ham, Lonsdale Avenue, right at the top of the Barkham Road there, uh, where the bowling pub is. So I was in there for, I think, 18 months, and uh, I was in digs with a fellow called Keith Robson, Mad Keith Robson, who was a Geordie, a very good player, but he was, uh, I think he was 21 at the time, and I was 16, something like that anyway, he was the elder statesman in the first team, and I was sharing digs with him, and I was always sitting on the floor eating me chocolate, watching TV, uh, and he'd stay in on a Friday. That was the only night he did stay in. And I think his, his idea of a night in was getting six uh, cans of Newcastle Brown Ale to drink uh, prior to the game. He wasn't the, the most disciplined. But I was uh, I was in digs li- lying around the floor, and he used to call me stretchy. He, he was the first one to call me it, and uh, it just stuck. You know, in them days, any any dressing room, any football club, if you've got a nickname, um, it, and, and it sort of went on for like two or three days, it stuck for the rest of your career, and that's what it did. You know, I don't know if you've been back to Plasto recently, but the Greengate pub we used to drink at uh, before the game has recently been turned into a Tesco's. Uh, they've shut down the Castle pub that was opposite. That's uh, changing, I think, to a Greengrocer's. Right. Uh, and uh, you might know the Bolin pub's up, up for um, for sale as well. So, you know, the... Well, it's a changing place, but I thought it was a, it was a great place for me. The, you know, the first two years... Um, 74 to 76 when you know we'd play I was playing in the youth team we had a particularly good youth team Alan Kerbisley Paul Brush Terry Haylock uh, Jeff Pike you know there were some good good players in that team we got to the, uh, the, uh, the the FA Youth Cup final that year but we'd go on out on a Saturday night um, usually into Stratford or uh, into to Plasto uh, some great pubs around there uh, I, I loved living around the East End in, in them days it was fantastic yeah so I'm going to move on to, uh, I'm sure, a question you get asked all the time, and I brought it up on my blog only last week when we played Newcastle, and that's your, your famous pub quiz question. Maybe you should get royalties each time this is asked as a pub quiz, which is obviously when we beat Newcastle 8-1, uh, you scored a hat-trick. Well, the question is, who scored a hat-trick against three different goal um, uh, goalkeepers? Um, and, yeah, I, I mean, bizarre. And I, I've been watching it recently on YouTube. I mean... Uh, can, you, can you share the experience of that day? Well, it was just an incredible game, really. I mean, we were fighting, obviously, all the way through that season for the title. You know, we were into into, into the last, what, seven or eight games of the season, and, you know, we felt we had a chance still. Uh, Liverpool, Everton and ourselves were all, were all there or thereabouts. And that game, really, we didn't know what to expect. I think we were getting incredibly tired by that stage because we'd had a fixture backlog, and there was all of these games coming thick and fast on top of each other. Uh, but I remember the game, and you know the game was, was strange. I think it was it, there was a relief there because with the the three points were always the most important thing at that stage of the season. Um, and I think once you get to like sort of five or six one, you know the game's won. You can relax and enjoy the game. But it wasn't you know it wasn't until I came off the pitch um, and went out to do the interviews. I thought they were just going to interview me about you know a normal hat trick. And it was Trevor Smith who, who wrote for the recorder at the time. He said, Do you know that every goal was scored against a different goalkeeper. And I honestly didn't know. It was it was, it was strange. Uh, obviously, he'd, he'd clocked it as a journalist, and then um, obviously that's that's something that happened that uh, I, I would have thought it'd be very lucky to be repeated again. That is for sure. Yeah, well, <laughs> I, I can't see that being repeated in, in, in the modern game. Um, you, you talked about Billy Bonds earlier. You spent a lot of your career with Billy Bonds in the centre. Um, more of a modern question, but um, since you retired, who, who would you put? put down as your your best centre defender in that position? What, in the modern game? Yeah, well, in West Ham, you know, since you've left, from the time you retired onwards, who, 
Who did you think? Rio, Rio was the one. Rio was just coming through as I was getting to the age of, I was like 37 at the time. So I knew that, you know, um, it was it was coming to the end for me. And it was a young kid in the reserves uh, that I'd watched train and, 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 and develop. And I knew that he was going to be a real player. And I remember speaking to Harry Redknapp about him, saying, you know, I played in a reserve game. And, and I was, I think we played against the Arsenal at Old Highbury. And he, he'd marked uh, Ian Wright, who was playing in this reserve game at the time out of the game and I remember he really impressed me not just with the fact that he defended well against Rio but he, he had composure as well a brilliant athlete and uh, he's, he's definitely somebody that um, I was surprised really that somebody didn't take him earlier on I think he went to Leeds and then went to Manchester United Yeah, I was always a little surprised that Man United didn't come for him before Leeds did and of course there's a lot of paper talk at the moment that he might you know, have one last hurrah back at West Ham and, and have one last season I'm not sure about that. I'm not, you know, I don't know if that that, that is the right thing. I know that uh, it, it'd be up to, to Sam Allardyce in the club, but uh, you know, I don't know when you get to a certain age whether um, it's it's right to go back. I think that uh, Rio's biggest asset was his pace, um, and unfortunately, that's the first thing that starts to go. So then, you know, you you have to start reading the game and playing and evolving and developing your own personal game. So I'm not so sure it would be the right move for West Ham or, or for Rio. Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, so you mentioned earlier, you won Hammer of the Year, uh, and I believe you've won it, again, if my research is right, three times. So that, that's a feat only equaled by Bobby Moore, Billy Bonds, and, and more recently, Scott Parker. Yeah. Um, obviously, uh, Mark Noble won it last year, um, but on, on the performance so far, who, who would you have pegged down as, as Hammer of the Year this year and, and runner-up as Hammer of the Year? Well, I've only been to the one game this year. That was against Manchester City, and uh, the player who caught my eye that day uh, was Reed playing at the back? Um, he showed a lot of um, composure, tenacity, reading of the game. Uh, good athlete. So he, he was somebody. I looked at him and I thought, you know what? He could be. He could be a real player. Um, obviously, what you don't want to do, you don't want to get carried away with somebody too early. But um, for the for the one game I've seen live, um, and I, I think to give a real opinion on players, you need to see them live in the flesh. Yeah. Uh, he was the one that caught my eye and. I know that Mark Noble and Kevin Nolan have, have, have been receiving a lot of plaudits, but certainly as an ex centre half, uh, Reed is somebody that's certainly going to be in the running. Yeah, you know, I, I absolutely agree. He's getting a lot of plaudits, along with uh, Momo Diarmi as well, as, as a, a good find as well. Yeah, I think the, the, the side that Sam's put together is, is, is it, it seems to be a proper team. You know, I think sometimes people assemble teams, and you know, even going back to Liverpool and Tottenham not so long ago. You know, they were lots of individuals and didn't seem to be any balance there. No thought to, to whether they could all complement each other. But at the moment, uh, you know, the likes of Diarmi and Noble and, uh, and Nolan and Reed at the back with Collins, um, uh, McCartney's steady. Uh, you know, so from that point of view, there's, there's a team there and there's, there's a togetherness and, and an, an, organis- an organisation that possibly, you know, you, you, can't, you can't do well consistently without it. Yeah, well, obviously we're at a heady seventh place with, with 18 points. We played Stoke tonight, could go fifth because uh, we're recording this on the Monday. Yeah. Um, I mean, where do you think we're, we're finished this season? Well, I, I don't think it would be fair to put too much pressure on the, on the side finishing anywhere near where they are at the moment. There's going to be some tough games coming up. Uh, we're going into them with a lot of confidence. Uh, the one tonight against Stoke is a different type of game, isn't it? You know, they've, they've got a good draw against Man City. That was definitely a point game. Could have been all three if, uh, if the goal had stood by Kevin Nolan. But uh, tonight will be a difficult game. But, you know, we are going into it, like I say, with a, a lot of confidence and uh, I think the great thing for me was, was going to the game, because I don't get over there that often now, was, uh, was the atmosphere against Manchester City. Yeah. It was fantastic. And if that's the same again tonight, that's a massive plus for the players. And they've obviously, uh, the performances are, are keeping the fans behind them, but there will be some tougher games coming up. There'll be a run of games where it doesn't go well. And I think that's where you've got to dig in. You've got to actually then find your way out of a bad, uh, bad spell. I think he's got the experience to be able to do that, Sam. And the players look like, they say, they, they've got some leaders in the dressing room now. So uh, yeah. from that point of view... If they were to finish like 12, I think it would be a very good season. So that's part one of the Alvin Martin interview. It's again a very good interview. We've got to give Sean credit for his interviewing. Oh, yeah, yeah. Credit where and credit's due. Exactly. And getting them lined up. and Listen to part two on next week's podcast. So, what do you think of Alvin Martin? Is he one of your old favourites? He, he is one of my old favourites, yes. He was? he was? Yeah, he was one of my old faves. And you asked him a question, didn't you, via Sean, of, of the I did. defenders? Yeah, I asked him about who do you think has been our best. Have you listened to it yet? Uh, no, I haven't. <laughs> so who do you think he said? Who do you think he'd Rio. said? Rio. Yeah. Don't have given that one. I don't need to listen to <laughs> um, It's time for 
this part of the podcast, which is... So it's not only Twitter question time this week, it is also Facebook question time because earlier on today I put onto the Facebook a little question for all you West Ham fans to debate and that question was there's been lots of reaction to Andy Carroll's performance last night. It's mixed with fans for him saying if Cole played as poorly as Carroll he would get ripped apart. I'm quite certain Carroll will come good, but not 17 million good. Where do you stand on Andy Carroll's performances? So, John, let's start with you. Where do you stand on Andy Carroll's performances? Well, I touched on it earlier, didn't I? Last night, he just looked, he was getting more and more frustrated. He couldn't deal with the physical attention he was getting from the likes of Hoof. And I thought he had a really poor game, to be honest. You know, other performances, he's not been so prominent, but he's that added a lot to the team performance. He's defended well. He's done lots of good stuff. But last night, he just looked like he was complaining all the time. He, he just didn't really add a great deal. But that said, he still looks like he's got it and he's still got the quality. And I think he needs a goal. Yeah, I think but, that would change him, wouldn't it? The goal. Yeah, I absolutely. But I don't. what I don't think is what I agree with whatever's someone said there or is that your question that you know it's, if it's, we, this is quotes from um, forums fan forums right so basically if if we were at the end of it all having to pay 17 million for him on the evidence we've seen so far I think it's a lot another, of money another quote there though it says the difference between Cole and Carroll is that Carroll is still effective even though he's not scoring which is true he's more yeah, effective than a- Cole absolutely true and he does he does chase and you know amount of times even in like the sort of 70th 75th minute he's chasing back to the keeper he's doing that as well as um cole's throwing his hands down by his side looking up to this sky yeah. and you know so but don't yeah absolutely massively different player than cole but 17 million if that's what we'd have to pay it may may even be more mightn't it you know he was 35 wasn't he yeah but i think we've got a fixed um price for 17 haven't we first option have we yeah uh chris miles went to facebook.com forward slash more just a podcast and said carol is a target man for every team we play against it's given us space and options not unlike crouch in some respects respects has done for stoke the trouble is without vazte and demel for the past few games we've not taken as much advantage as we could jarvis has been off his best too so let's hope they all get back to form soon Dave Rhodes says he really adds to the team, but if he doesn't get the goals, then he's not worth the money. You pay that sort of money, you want 15 to 20 goals. I hope the goals will come at some point. And Scott George Smallman says, defensively, he's been superb. Oh, wait, he's a striker. I forgot. In all seriousness, he will come good. What he brings to the team is more than what he is missing. Just because he isn't scoring doesn't make him a bad player. Uh, That is our Facebook group. And on Twitter, we had some answers back to the question I put out on there too. Um, Chelmo Hammer or Ke- Chelmo, yeah, says I think he's just getting his confidence back, more awareness than Cole, adds a touch quality to the team. His hold up play's been good. Defense is second to none at set pieces in front of goal, no better than Cole. Harrison Vanya says I think he's been good, but does he? He does need to start scoring. I'd say he's worth getting permanently, but is he worth 17 mil? Uh, Dan James says unless he starts scoring I can't see David Gold and David Sullivan playing the millions for him 15 to 17 mil for a hold up player I can't see it Jade Ryan says yes Carroll is brilliant we would be stupid not to sign him he would be good for us and everyone knows hashtag sign him Sam Daniel Prescott Cole was a confidence player so using him as a sub is pointless Uh, so it's all pretty the same Really, isn't it? Everyone's saying if he gets the goals, he'll be worth the money because his hold-up play is good. Yeah, but I mean, it, just, if he adds the goals to his game, then he'll be worth the money. I assume. Well, that's what I think. Well, yeah. But I mean, when I was watching that last night, you know, some of it, you just looked at the way him and Crouch. That Crouch looked actually a bit more cultured on the ball. Well, he does quite often, doesn't he? Look pretty cultured on the ball. Crouch, to be honest, it's in the air. He's not as strong as Carroll, is he? No. But you know, he's he's hold up play. He's, he's taking the ball down, controlling it, playing people in. Look, he looked better than Carroll on, on a lot of occasions. 
It's just, I don't know, Carol last night just didn't have a good game, really. But, you know, he's done, I think he's done well for us so far, so. He has done well, he hasn't done badly. I see, yes, last night was his worst game, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, so let's get, let's let get a goal and. Goal go at Tottenham on, would be nice. Onwards and upwards. Absolutely. Talking of, talking of Tottenham, John, me and you are going. We are. Um, what do you think? What do you reckon? Could be uh, our first away win at White Hart Lane for 13 years. I think it could be, to be honest with you. They're, they're, they're so inconsistent. We're inconsistent. If we have a good one and they have a crap one, they're playing in Europe. You know, They're playing in Europe on Thursday, so yeah. Yeah, so it could be. So It could be, and that would be good, wouldn't it? It would be brilliant. Uh, I think we could nick a win as well. I think a lot of it depends on their result or their performance on Thursday. Um, let's hope they l- lose. I don't know, really. You want them to lose on Thursday, don't you? I just and want them to have a really hard game. Run up. Yeah, get a really hard game. They'd probably like playing like Malmo or something. Something like, like Bell, get a little knock. Yeah, that'd be nice. <laughs> you know. Sean's prediction is 1-0 to West Ham, but he hasn't recorded anything for this. Oh, Sean... And Reese reckons it'll be one all with the noble goal for us. Right. So yeah, we'll wait and see. But I'm very much looking forward to it. It's a shame it's on a Sunday, really. But you know, yeah, at four o'clock. That's all right. Oh. Uh, that's it for more than just a podcast. Podcast for this week. Podcast. Um, we tried our best, didn't we, John? You know, without Sean. Yeah, without yeah, Sean, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. It's been a bit precise and tedious, but yeah. You know, Sean will be back next week to liven it up, even though he's been all over this. Been anyway. mostly on this more than everyone else. Even though he's not here, he has been somewhere else quaffing his moustache into a more Sam Allardyce, Sam Allardyce look. For an Allardyce-gram. Thank you for listening to Mordred's Podcast Podcast. Uh, you can get us on facebook.com forward slash Mordred's Podcast or on Twitter at Podcast. Um, goodbye from me, George. Goodbye from John. Bye. Tweet us. You'll be on the podcast next week. Bye. Bye. Bobby Moore. More than just a podcast. Bobby Moore. More than just a podcast. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 